Welcome to the Pre-PT Grind Podcast. Before we begin this episode, we would like to thank you for taking the time to invest in yourself as a pre-PT on your journey to becoming a future doctor of physical therapy. This episode has been sponsored by our Acceptance Navigator Series, which is a free four-part pre-PT video series where we teach you exactly how to take full control of your PT school acceptance journey, as well as how to find clarity and direction as a pre-PT so that you can dominate your application regardless of your GPA, GRE score, or fear of PT school rejection. Learn how to get into the driver's seat of your acceptance journey and not leave your acceptance to chance by shooting in the dark and hoping for the best as an applicant. This is the most value that we have given away and it's free. Take control of your pre-PT journey today by going to www.acceptancenavigator.com. That's www.acceptancenavigator.com. This episode has also been sponsored by our friends at ptschoolprobe.com. Listen to this. One of the biggest fatal application mistakes that thousands of PT school applicants make each year when applying to PT school is not applying to schools that are a perfect match for them. Partnering with our friends at PT School Probe has made that a problem of the past. As PT School Probe makes it extremely easy to plug in and enter what you're looking for in your ideal schools and you will be immediately matched up with your perfect match DPT programs in the United States. To get matched and locked into your perfect DPT school programs, go to www.ptschoolprobe.com www.ptschoolprobe.com and use the code PREPTGRIND in lowercase letters to get a discount and let them know that we sent you there. That's PREPT GRIND for your code. This will save you hundreds of dollars in your application by helping you avoid throwing away money at the wrong schools and saving tens of thousands of dollars lost every year that you miss out on becoming a DPT. So go to www.ptschoolprobe, that's ptschool, P-R-O-B-E, probe.com and use the code PREPTGRIND in lowercase letters to get a discount and let them know that we sent you. And that's because we got you covered and we are excited to share this next episode with you. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast episode. We look forward to serving you. Have a blast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pre-PC Grind, where we help you become the best Pre-PC applicant and student you can be. My name is Natalie, and I'm one of the podcast directors. I'm very excited because today we have the Dean of of the School of Physical Therapy from Regis University, Dr. Ryan King, here to answer a few questions regarding the program. So let's dive into the first question. In five minutes or less, tell us what led you to the profession. So Natalie, I was a high school teacher out of college. I had done a master's in biology and was teaching biology and chemistry and I was coaching and I got very interested in sport injury. So I decided to become a teacher athletic trainer. And coincidentally, my supervising athletic trainer here in Denver was also a PT. And she, I would bring my students into her clinic, uh, students from anatomy and physiology class into her clinic as a career day. And the more I watched, the more I realized what she was doing as a PT was something that was very attractive to me. So I went to PT school as a 
non-traditional student. I had already had a bachelor's and a master's degree and um, went to what was then Indiana Central University, now University of Indianapolis, um, for my master's in PT. Awesome. Um, so going off of that, would you say that the experience that you've had as a teacher has helped you get to where you are today? And like, did you ever imagine upon entering the profession that you would be a dean? I don't think anyone um, wakes up in the morning and says, oh, I, I want to be a dean. What It's an interesting pathway. So I, um, I was a full-time clinician for seven years, working both as a physical therapist and as an athletic trainer in a um, sports medicine clinic. And then I, um, I was invited to apply for a position at a small college in Iowa to be the director of clin ed. Um, I applied and got that job, and that was my first academic job. I should make it clear that since starting that in um, 1995, basically, I have always practiced physical therapy. I've, I've never not practiced. My practice has been um, at the college in Iowa, then at St. Louis University, and now at Regis, has always been with our intercollegiate athletes. Did my teaching background give me uh, experience that was valuable? Absolutely, not just as a teacher, which I do now, but it also gave me a background as a clinician because so much of what we do in physical therapy involves teaching. And uh, my teaching background really informed me when it came around to teaching patients exercises, teaching them precautions after surgery, before surgery. And just communicating, you know, as a teacher, you do a lot of face-to-face -face communication with students, and that's what we do as PTs. So the two have meshed together well, and I've, as a dean, I still do some teaching, I still do practice, I still do research, and I spend time as an administrator. Awesome. Okay, so next question. Students put work into bettering certain parts of their application to appeal more to physical therapy schools. What would you say is something on an application that would catch your attention or that like overall your program values the most? The way I would answer that, uh, Natalie, is that we are a three-year post-baccalaureate program, so we don't have an early entrance option. We're a classic four plus three program. So all of our students that come in have at least a bachelor's degree, and honestly, we've had students with master's and doctoral degrees that have gone through the program. Some of our students come right out of college. Some of our students have been out of college for 20 years and come back as non-traditional students. We get a lot of applications at Regis University, and the initial decision about um, who we bring on campus to interview has a lot to do with numbers and GPA and GRE scores. But we also um, do look at uh, the essays the students have written. We look at um, what experience they're bringing to us from there if they're a non-traditional student. And then we make the decision as to how of the number of applicants that we get over a thousand. Um, we interview close to 300 students um, or prospective students. And again, we're looking for what has this person done that sets them apart and fits with the mission of our institution. So we're a Jesuit Catholic institution. Um, I say that, but I also have to say that 
there's no requirement of being Catholic or Jesuit to be at Regis. But one of the strong emphases of this program is serving those on the margins. And we're looking for folks that have that interest and passion. And so as you look at our classes, our cohorts that are in place, you'll find folks that have amazing experiences, some, some in college and some after college, in you know, um, being gardeners in Puerto Rico and um, leading community efforts in El Salvador. I, we just have students that bring an amazing experience. And so it's, it's not all about GPA, it's about the sum total of the person. Okay, so I know you had mentioned part of this. A student who applies to your program, what could they expect on like the timeline of the decision? And then when you do conduct your interviews, what could the student expect throughout like the course of the day of the interview? Um, so our students apply through PTCAS. I think, well, I know many programs use PTCAS. They will be invited for interviews in the fall for the uh, interview time, which for us is in uh, late January, early February. That's when we do our interviews. We do two days. They're a little bit more than a half day, start at eight in the morning and end about two in the afternoon, including lunch um, for, the, for the candidates. And we do you know, close to 150 on Friday and then another 150 on Monday. When the student, when the candidates leave that last group on Monday, they're informed that they will know within the week of their of our uh, admission decision. So it's a very quick turnaround. It's a very busy week for us to make decisions because our whole faculty meet, and then our leadership team meets with the admissions team and. We make a final decision as to who we offer a place to. I, I need to tell you that our our program we take around eighty students per class, and so I, I know that sometimes is a concern to prospective students. Like, wow, that feels big. Um, there are certainly bigger programs in the country, and, and many programs that are smaller. What this program our size allows for is a very large faculty. So we have about 20 faculty that teach in our DPT program, which means you have a vast array of expertise. And that's what those numbers allow is, is a really well-rounded faculty pool that include expertise in everything across the curriculum. And so while students are here for their interviews, they have the opportunity to meet with our faculty, to meet with current students, and to really get a sense of what we're about, what the climate of the school is, what the mission of the university and the school is. And you know, our intent is when they leave on Friday or Monday, that they know everything they need to know to make a good informed decision about if we offer them a spot, whether or not they would choose to take the spot. So then going off that, for a student that visits the campus, there's a chance that they won't see everything that the program or campus has to offer. What would you say are some unique things about your program that a student would typically not see on a tour, but rather a student in the program would see or experience? And these things can be like research components or different forms of teaching, um, different interprofessional opportunities that you may offer. Sure. Uh, on our interview days on that Friday and Monday in January or February, 
we give, certainly we give the students a campus tour, but we also make sure, and, and we do this right after lunch, we give a couple of short TED talk, TED types talks about what we see as points of pride of our program here at Regis. We do, as many schools do, have a, a very well-developed interprofessional education program. We're in a college of health sciences that includes pharmacy and nursing and counseling and family therapy. And we have opportunities to do interprofessional experiences with uh, students from all of those professions. And we do so on, in a very structured way. But there's a couple of unique things about our program. One is our global health pathway that we have. Students who are interested have the opportunity to um, do global health immersions, both domestic and international. And again, this is part of our service to those who are on the margins, which is one of the strong pieces of the Jesuit mission. So we go to places like Tan uh, Tanzania or Peru. We've been in Ethiopia. And, and working with physical therapists in those places um, to really collaborate in our students' understanding what the healthcare system in that country is like, what the practice of physical therapists in, the, in that country is. But also these interprofessional trips, or excuse me, these immersion trips are interprofessional. So we have nurse practitioner students or pharmacy students that would go on this trip as well. So not only are our students learning about what PT practice is in that country, but they're learning about the practice of those other professions that are accompanying and what those uh, students are prepared to do and what that practice is in that country. So that, that's an important, I think, value added component of our program. The other thing that I have to say is um, Dr. Heidi Eichstee, our, our program director, and Dr. Alice Davis, one of our faculty, have really worked very hard in establishing a leadership thread in our curriculum, where we use the Cousas and Posner model of leadership. And this is a thread that goes throughout the curriculum. And we, um, one of our taglines is learners becoming leaders. And we really intend for our students to graduate with a good sense of themselves as leaders, which doesn't necessarily mean being a chair or a dean or a president or some kind of a clinic manager, but it means understanding what personal leadership is about and how to lead from your place. Regis, I think, is, a, is one of the programs in the country that is really leading this initiative and incorporating leadership. And not again, not just in clinical leadership, but also professional leadership as well. So for someone who would be interested in the community service things that you do, like you said, that travel to um, is it something that a student would have to apply to when they're in your program? Or is it more of like you guys pick, do they sign up? Like how would someone go about that? If like, say the student applies to your program, like with this aspect is what they're drawn to your program. So how would they go about that when they're in your program? So once um, once students are admitted and, and we start in um, August with our first cohort, they, first of all, they, they are aware of our global health pathway before they come here, right? Because we introduce them to that in the interview process. 
The Global Health Pathway is actually a program in the college. It's not unique to the School of Physical Therapy where students from pharmacy or nursing or counseling and family therapy can participate in this pathway. And the pathway means that they have to have meet certain requirements along the road of domestic immersion. So we're quite involved with uh, a place in Denver uh, where we provide services to the folks who are unsheltered in Denver, for example. So students that want to pursue the whole pathway and get recognized when they graduate as completing the pathway have a series of things that they have to do along the way. Students apply to be in the pathway and then the, the um, committee that oversees, the Global Health Committee that oversees the pathway, make decisions about bringing students into the pathway. And for example, next week, uh, I'm really looking forward to Thursday night is the Global Health Capstone presentation. So these are students who are completing the pathway that are now doing their capstones to share what their path has been through this global health experience. And that, again, that includes both domestic and international immersion trips. I, I should say also, Natalie, that the, the uh, international immersions don't require a student to be in the pathway. So some of the students that go on the immersion are pathway students, and some students are just folks that are interested in the immersion that have chosen for whatever reason to not be involved in the pathway. Okay, so, and, and Dr. Einstein, um, when I talked about leadership before, this is really her baby. So when she comes on, if she does, you might want to talk to her a little bit more about the leadership mm -hmm. thread. Some of the questions that we've already talked about and I'm going to ask you part of one um, is we've talked about different aspects of the application that catch your eye when you're viewing someone's application. And then um, we just talked about the global trips that you guys do. And then also the leadership aspect, um, that's kind of your baby, I heard. So wherever you want to start, if you want to just give us a little description of how you got to where you are and what led you to the profession. And then if you want to touch upon the leadership aspects that you are involved in. Sure. Um, so would you like me to start with a little introduction of where I am now? Okay. So um, my name is Heidi Eichstee and I'm the director of the physical therapy program here at Regis University. And um, Right now, really my main role is to support the successful progression of all of our students through our program and to uh, support faculty development and innovation and excellence within our program um, as it responds to the changing needs of the healthcare environment for which we work in. What led me to physical therapy uh, over probably what we're looking at almost 30 years ago was a, an interest in pursuing a career that matched my personal values, that had some sort of um, social validity and would have an impact on others so that I finished each day of my work knowing that how I spent my time was of value to someone else or to my community. And so um, I had been interested in health care for a long time. I grew up in a home where uh, my mother was a nurse, and interestingly enough, my father was a um, college professor. So I 
have ended up in a place that has sort of integrated those. But I find that we, we really get our values from our culture and specifically from our family culture. So I grew up um, valuing health, spirituality, uh, a mission for making a contribution to the community. And then I also uh, personally um, had, had a desire to work with children and had a lot of experience uh, teaching children swimming and skiing and, and knew that that was a, a population that I could uh, relate to. So I, I sort of combined all those roles and ended up um, really looking at different types of healthcare professions and wanted one where I would have a relationship with uh, the, the client who I was uh, serving. And so through a sort of uh, interesting journey, I ended up volunteering and observing uh, physical therapists in different types of practice settings and uh, decided that I really wanted to pursue pediatric physical therapy and ended up evolving into what is really my expertise in working with um, infants and toddlers, mostly the zero to three population and um, who have lifelong disabilities um, and their families. And it's, it's been a privilege. Would you like me to touch on leadership? If you don't mind, yes. Yeah. Sure. So um, there's many unique aspects of the physical therapy program at Regis University. One of those is an integrated leadership thread that spans the eight semesters of our, our program. Um, we are one, uh, I think we're the only university who has actually published outcomes of that leadership thread. Um, in our professional journal of physical therapy education, looking at the impact of an integrated leadership thread on specific leadership behaviors with our DPT students. So the thread really starts with uh, the use of self-evaluation tools on communication, intercultural development, as, as well as leadership skills. And the students have the opportunity to have different types of learning experience experiences both in the academic environment, in community service environments, and in clinical environments as well as global health immersions to practice leadership skills and get feedback. And each student is also advised on the development of their leadership skills from an academic advisor who is a faculty member. And we have them do a self-assessment their, their first year and at the very end of their third year and in their capstone presentation they reflect on their development and leadership skills as well as um, a reflection of what they're who they are um, as a leader their leadership identity and their philosophy and we have found uh, that our students enter the workforce at a different place um, and that is um, even acknowledged by future employers who, um, a common, who, who ask common questions to entry-level DPT students about, you know, what, what's, your, what's your mission, what's your vision, why would you, how would you contribute to our, our practice setting? And our students can really speak to um, who they are as a leader in an interprofessional uh, team and um, kind of what they stand for. That's awesome. Um, so kind of going off of that, a student who's accepted into your program, what type of different resources would you provide them um, to put them in a position where 
they will succeed. So I know some programs will pair them up with maybe someone in the, the year ahead of them or um, other programs have like faculty mentors. So what would you say is something that, and it, it doesn't have to be just one thing, but a, t- a resource that you provide, obviously along with the leadership that helps your students succeed. Yeah, so I, I think at Regis, we really, we value the strength of the community. And we often refer to our program as, as the Regis family. And our students are, are part of who we are as Regis, as well as we welcome them into our profession. Every student has a student mentor who's in the class above them. They have an academic advisor. They have a clinical education advisor who advises them on clinical placements. They often have a research advisor if they choose to participate in a faculty-led research project. And every single faculty has an open door and we get to know our students at a personal level. So um, I would say that our students typically um, tell us that they were attracted to Regis because when they came to interview day, they had a sense of the strong bonds and commitment to the community of each, each student and each and every faculty member. And I think a big part of that is all of our commitment to the Jesuit values. If I could add to that, Natalie, um, Dr. Eichstee has really captured um, you know, this sense of community that you and I spoke about when we started our interview. But also, our students care greatly for each other. And, and there's this amazing, even though the class is 80 students, there's this amazing connection that happens within the class. So, for example, in our second year class, we had a student that really took the initiative to develop a peer tutoring system where there was not only interaction within the, their class, but also interaction with the class that was one year below them and offering the opportunity for folks who had expertise in, let's say, exercise physiology or neuroscience to do some uh, peer tutoring. Um, Dr. Eichstee helped to facilitate that uh, as the program director. And uh, my advisees have commented how positive uh, of experience that is for this peer-to-peer tutoring to take place. That's awesome. So for many students, they might be going right from undergraduate to graduate, while others have non-traditional paths. No matter what the case is, obviously, everyone will experience some type of first aid jitters. So someone who's entering your program, what can they expect from the first day of classes? And further on, I know um, a few programs like dedicate the whole first week to kind of getting them adjusted. So what at Regis do you guys do to like help them, but also like what can they expect on that first day? So uh, the first day is a really orientation with me and Dr. Ranking, um, just sort of uh, helping them get to know each other, um, doing some introductions and kind of giving them the the lay of the land. So they enter in slowly. I think um, a few things are really valuable um, that we set up the first semester. One is they're in a, a course called Professional Issues and they take that course with our third year students. And there's lots of small group discussion. 
um, that happens both formally and informally in that class, where the third year students reassure the first year students that what they're feeling, the anxiety, um, the um, questioning of whether they actually belong, uh, if they're gonna make it, they, they kind of, um, they help the students understand that that's normal and that they'll make it through and that they have support from, from the third year students, from their own classmates and from the faculty. And once our student is accepted into the program, we make it clear to them that we're here to support their successful progression. There is not a sense of this first class is going to weed out who will and will not succeed. We are dedicated to making sure that every single student that is accepted into the program uh, succeeds and we believe that we provide the resources to do that. Part of our Jesuit mission is career personality, meaning caring for the whole person. And so um, we're not just here to teach physical therapy skills. We're here to um, teach lifelong skills about how to care for yourself as you care and serve uh, your community. So that's integrated into our program. Um, so kind of going off of that, would you say that that specific class that you mentioned where the third year student, students and the first year students like kind of um, go through that process, would you say that that pushes the first year student to be like, okay, like this person made it through, like this person went through that class, like kind of like instill like hope in them or is it like still kind of scary for them? <laughs> I think it's scary, you know, the first couple of weeks until they realize this is a safe place to be real and authentic. And our third years are used to that. They know the culture and the environment and they can say, you know what? First semester, I was scared to death. I wasn't sure that I could actually do it. And Here's, here are some strategies that worked for me. Here are the supports and resources that the university and the program provides. And I encourage you to take to, uh, what's the word? I'm having a word finding problem. Take advantage <laughs> of those opportunities. <laughs> Natalie, if I could uh, say one other thing about that. Um, you know, PT school is scary when you start. I mean. Uh, mm -hmm. When I, I came back into the PT school classroom, uh, having been on the other side of the desk for seven years as a teacher, and I was scared out of my head when, when the anatomy professor came in and told us, you know, what, what he expected. And it's like, oh my goodness. And I taught anatomy in high school and thought I knew it pretty well. But one of the things that we've structured in this program, and, and Dr. IXD always emphasizes this, is the power of collaborative learning. Mm -hmm. So for example, I'll use our anatomy course. So we do gross anatomy, that's a dissection-based course. Dr. Cliff Barnes is our anatomist who teaches that course. And students work in groups, and actually we form those groups with some uh, knowledge of personality types. Um, Dr. Eichstee uses uh, this personality profile called the DISC, you may be familiar with. And so we make sure that our lab groups have a those are learning better. You know, it's not, I'm all by myself. It's really, how do we uh, 
how do we learn this anatomy together? And, and as the semester goes by, those groups uh, get very close. And actually that time, we were in our anatomy group together, right? Um, but then in other courses as well, there's, there's a group work where folks learn that this is not about competing with each other. This is about working with each other, which is true in the clinic, right? So our clinical practice, whether it's infants, which Dr. Eichstein treats, or collegiate athletes, which I treat, it's about working together and solving problems. And so we instill that sense of collaboration right from the get-go. Awesome. Um, okay, so we have two more questions left. Um, all right, so we know that a lot of pre-PTs have sometimes a rough start to their journey and might have lower grades or find them in a situation where they decide to lock into PT school a little later on in their journey. One of our main missions at Pre-PT Grind is to help push and guide students to take the right course of action to get into PT school. We've seen it often where some students get in with a GPA as low as a 2.4. For a student with a low GPA who wants to go into PT school, what would you guys recommend? So as you're aware, PT school is highly competitive and there are many students who apply. And there is a minimum GPA requirement for most programs. And the rationale for that is that we wanna make sure that our students know how to learn and will be successful in the program. This, the investment in PT school financially, emotionally, and uh, the investment of time is enormous. And we don't want to admit a student who might make that kind of investment and not be successful. That being said, um, the students need to be able to tell a story to us um, if they have a low GPA about around why that happened, right? What was it? Sometimes our students have stories about life events that were very significant and challenging and their ability to persevere through those times is important to us. We value diversity and we think that that makes the learning environment richer. And so we take that into account, but, and we may advise a student with a low GPA, especially in their prerequisite uh, science courses, to take the course again. Show us that in a, a better life situation or circumstance that you can succeed and those stories um, will speak to us as far as admissions. Um, okay, so now wrapping up with the final question is, what is one piece of advice that you would give any applicant during their pre-PT journey? I would say that before you come to PT school, make sure that you have a good understanding of the profession. Go out and talk to physical therapists, observe physical therapists, and make sure that it's um, the profession is a match for who you are, uh, your unique gifts, and for how you want to contribute to the world. That's very, very sound advice, and I concur with that. But and not but I also would suggest 
that in that pre-PT journey, it's not just about getting into PT school. It's about really being a student of the world while you're in your undergraduate degree or when you're finished with your undergraduate out doing some other work and you're thinking about physical therapy. It's really being a whole person and about learning about yourself, about what you do well and what you need to learn to do better. And then I'd also say in the process of looking at PT programs, and our students know this because I say it to them when they come to interview, fit is so important. And, and you need to know what that program is about, know what their mission is, know who their faculty are, and ask yourselves, is this a place that I fit? Do I, do I buy into what the mission of the institution is? Do I see among the faculty people that I um, am excited to learn from and I feel like I can relate to? Um, I, th I think that is so critical because in my career, which has, has spanned a lot of years in academia, the students who aren't successful, oftentimes it's less about not having capability, but more about not really being in a place they fit and struggling with that. So know the program well. Uh, even before you start your PTCAS applications, do your homework and know what these programs stand for. Yeah, those are definitely um, two very good points that I think can definitely be overlooked by some students in like the rush of applying and going through this whole thing. So that actually concludes all the questions that I have. Um, so I wanted to thank you both for taking time on your day because I know that with everything going on, it's a little crazy. Um, so that is all. I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend and a great rest of the semester. All right. Thank Thanks, you. Natalie. Best Bye. wishes. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pre-PT Grind podcast. This show has been brought to you by the Pre-PT Success Program, a program designed to take pre-PT students and help them become excellent DPT school candidates without wasting years of frustration during the application process. To learn and master Pre-PT Grind's six-step process that will get you into physical therapy school, the Pre-PT Success Program is exactly what you have been looking for. Reach out to us at contactpreptgrind.com, aka our Facebook Messenger. And thank you once again for joining us on this episode. We look forward to seeing you next week on the Pre-PT Grind 